Greetings, I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. Welcome. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now, if we choose to. Dan Coates, our intelligence chief in the United States of America, He said, stay tuned. Stay tuned for more retaliatory measures that will be soon coming, that will be taken against the Russian Federation. These measures to be taken in retaliation against Russia for its actions against the United States and its allies. Not to be confused with the expulsions of Russian diplomat-slash-spies from Great Britain and another couple dozen Western nations, allies. But the grand total of those Russian spies or diplomats that have been expelled is something to the tune of 150, 150. And they were expelled from Britain and from these other couple dozen nations because of the attempted assassination of Sergei Skripal and his 33-year-old daughter, Yulia, who was visiting him from St. Petersburg, Russia, Vladimir Putin's hometown, which, of course, went by the name of Leningrad during the wonderful reign of terror of the former Soviet Union, but then was changed back to St. Petersburg following the downfall of the Soviet Union. As I mentioned before, Yulia's brother, Sergei's son, died the previous year in St. Petersburg. And I can't help but believe that it was Intended not just to send a message to Sergei, but to inflict great suffering on the family. But the United States of America is dealing differently with Russia, is doing what it's doing for different reasons. Not for these vicious, ruthless, criminal actions, these sanctioned assassinations committed by Vladimir Putin's regime, police state regime. No, the actions being taken here in the United States of America pertain expressly to actions against the United States of America, undermining, (laughs) 
purported free process, free elections, so forth. Well, let's go back just a little ways, shall we? Back down memory lane. If we go back to the coming into existence of the Soviet Union and its heyday, its prime, and in fact, its entire existence, along with that of communist China, we find these monstrous, evil, communist states, communism just being one version of socialism, as is fascism, but whereas communism is referred to as being leftist, fascism is referred to as being far right. When in point of fact, they are both socialist to the core. As the Nazis were the National Socialist Party. But what stands out? What are hallmarks of these communist regimes? Everywhere there has ever been a communist regime, what are the hallmarks? Monstrous, vicious, brutal, terroristic violence. Targeting Christians, targeting Jews, and targeting any and all whom these regimes view as not their kind of people. Another hallmark is something that is more in the tactical realm, and that is propaganda. Each communist regime has a massive propaganda operation, as is true with Kim Jong-un's North Korean regime, as has been true for the totality of the existence of the North Korean communist regime family business of the Kim family. And indeed, Kim Jong-un's or Young-un's sister is in charge of propaganda. Not only propaganda, but operations, activities involving the use of that propaganda and other nefarious activities. So now the United States of America is going to boot some spies from the Russian Federation. In total around the globe, 150 have been expelled. And of course, the Russian Federation in turn has done tit for tat, has retaliated by booting diplomats of these Western nations. 
Well, years ago, I don't know what the total is now. I haven't seen a recent figure, but I know years ago, it was estimated that there were in excess of 200,000 communist Chinese spies in the United States of America. In excess of 200,000. Expelling 150 Russian diplomats, it is such a tiny trifle, a drop, not in a bucket, but more like an ocean. It is a symbolic gesture. Now, I do not deny the legitimacy of outrage in Britain amongst the leadership regarding these attempted assassinations. But, again, these actions that have been taken are so superficial, if you will, in terms of the scope and the actual impact as to be almost trivial. That's not to say these things shouldn't have been done, these expulsions, but it is to say that it is barely scratching the surface. The Vietnam War was won, supposedly, by North Vietnam, by the North Vietnamese communist regime. But in point of fact, more than being won, it was lost, not by the U.S. military, nor by the South Vietnamese military, but... It was lost by the United States government with a huge, huge assist from the major media elites who used to enjoy a stranglehold on news media, on dissemination of information here in the United States of America. Information being misinformation, disinformation, extremely skewed and inflammatory information which was handed to them by the Soviet Union and Communist China. If we go back to the beginning of North Korea, it came into existence again courtesy of the Soviet Union and Communist China. And despite the extremely heavy involvement of the Soviet Union and Communist China, still in all, Douglas MacArthur, as the commander of the UN forces, largely U.S., deployed to Korea, would have succeeded in driving the communist forces out of the Korean peninsula. But 
he was not permitted to. Our wonderful president with the little guy syndrome, little guy chip on the shoulder syndrome, Harry Truman. The buck stops here, fired Douglas MacArthur. Now, was Douglas MacArthur an arrogant guy? Yes. Vain, conceited, arrogant, had all kinds of flaws. Does that remind you of anyone? <laughs> any, pre- any presidents come to mind with regard to that description? But he was a brilliant fellow, but he made some critical, monstrous errors and failures, such as during World War II, at the beginning of World War II, and so forth. But he would have succeeded in getting the communists driven out of Korea had Harry Truman not prevented that. But so the communist regime has ruled and reigned, enjoyed power to exact a reign of terror throughout North Korea, everything north of the demilitarized zone, the DMZ. For lo, these many, many, many decades since the DMZ was established, nope, there was no official end to the Korean War. The conflict has continued as North Korea, during all of these decades, has attempted to overthrow South Korea. South Korea hasn't been engaging in activities to invade the North, but North Korea has incessantly attempted to invade and overthrow and enslave and destroy South Korea. Now, of course, we're supposed to believe that communist China is having a moderating influence on North Korea right now. And that Kim Jong-un has agreed, at least in theory, to let go of nuclear weapon ambitions and nuclear weapons, nuclear warheads. And that, in essence, it's as if this were being brokered by communist China, which is such a lark... Because communist China and the former Soviet Union own North Korea. It is, for all intents and purposes, a satellite slave state. Even going so far as to, perchance, have concentration camp in the Soviet Union, in Siberia. Some time ago, I read that, in essence, 90-plus percent of the population in Siberia were Chinese. There's an extremely, intensely close relationship 
between communist China and the Soviet Union. There was throughout those years of the Korean War. The Korean War, which has continued for all intents and purposes all of this time. Not just a Cold War status, but with extraordinary construction of tunnels underneath the DMZ. Tunnels that can move hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of North Korean troops into South Korea for invasion. Akin to what was the case in Vietnam. Vietnam, the Vietnam War was just Korean War II. Vietnam was backed, was armed, was trained, was supported by Soviet Union and Communist China, as I have referred to previously. But more than that, something that I have not referred to is the fact that the Soviet Union and Communist China used their absolutely massive spy networks in the United States of America to control the message, to get their message out there, that it was hopeless, that the United States was losing, that the United States could not prevail, that South Vietnam did not want us there, and so on and so forth. With regard to some of the claims, there were granules of truth, but with so much of it, it was just out-and-out lies. Should the United States of America ever have put troops Into Vietnam, should there ever have been U.S. boots on the ground? I don't think so. But dear, sainted John Fitzgerald Kennedy, golden boy, is the one who got it started, really. Yes, there was a tiny presence there, courtesy of Ike, perhaps, as far as a very tiny number of military advisors. But John Kennedy backed it, supported it, and then, of course, there was the handover, involuntary handover to Lyndon Baines Johnson, whom I have always believed was responsible for John Kennedy's assassination and for Bobby Kennedy's assassination and, I think, for Martin Luther King Jr.'s assassination, which is being memorialized at this time. But LBJ prosecuted the war unbelievably, monstrously incompetently, courtesy of his brain trust, Robert McNamara, Bob McNamara and company at Al. 
And the generals had their hands tied behind their back, figuratively. They were not permitted to win the war. They were not permitted to invade North Vietnam. They were there to engage in a police action. What you think of with regard to United Nations peacekeepers, of course, United Nations was doing more than trying to keep the peace in Korea. The forces that were there were trying to save South Korea from being annihilated. But, yes, the U.S. engaged in all manner of different missions, but the focus from the top was to confine operations chiefly to South Vietnam. There was massive amount of bombing, an enormous amount of munitions that was expended. And there were great losses by the Viet Cong, by the South Vietnamese, by the United States troops. But the atrocities that were committed, that were routinely committed were committed overwhelmingly by the Viet Cong. You would never know it from the way that the major media elites, chiefly ABC, NBC, CBS, and the major newspapers and magazines, the way that they reported it, you would never know that. But it was the case, and it continued to be the case after the United States of America pulled its troops out. Even though the Soviet Union was responsible for so much of the extremely sophisticated military machinery that was used there, weaponry, even though they had, you could call them military advisors, assisting the North Vietnamese, even though communist China provided pilots to fly the MiGs for North Vietnam, And even though the Soviet Union and Communist China engaged in this breathtaking propaganda war in the United States of America and among the Western nations, the United States of America never confronted Communist China and the Soviet Union. Never openly did so. No. Heavens. Couldn't do that. 
Why were we there? We were there supposedly to stop the spread of communism. Supposedly to prevent these communist regimes from taking over a free nation and then the dominoes falling and multitudinous free nations from coming under the destructive enslavement of communism. That supposedly is what we were there for. So it was life and death. And yet, the United States of America, courtesy of its vaunted leaders, did not wage a war to win. And as such, it betrayed the fighting men and the Vietnamese, South Vietnamese forces and families and loved ones. But we never dealt with the Soviet Union or communist China. And then, of course, Richard Milhouse Nixon made peace, peace with honor. Well, it was a unilateral peace, allowing the Viet Cong, the North Vietnamese, to slaughter, to ravage the South Vietnamese. Whether all of this would have come about if the Kennedy brothers had not kept mum about the fact that they knew that the South Vietnamese president was going to be assassinated, minor little detail, whether that had anything to do with this, I don't know. But I know Richard Milhouse Nixon going to communist China, clinking champagne glasses, proclaiming (laughs) what he proclaimed, imagining that he was bringing about some wonderful peace around the world by initiating these Relations with communist China, bloody red communist China, was not an exercise in futility. Oh, no, no. It was complete, utter delusion. And if the Trump administration engages in the same folly with North Korea, it will be more of the same as in fact the United States of America has continued to engage in with communist China from that day forward. But it's breathtaking. It's amazing because here little North Vietnam manages to pull off this coup to win this propaganda war against the United States of America within the United States of America. Remarkable. But you see, they didn't do it. The masters did it. 
the Soviet Union and Communist China accomplished that in this none dare call it conspiracy, conspiracy with all of their helpers entrenched in the major media elites, entrenched in the federal government. But of course, that was then and now is such a different time, right? Well, guess what? It still is a communist regime in North Korea. It's the communist regime in Vietnam. It's the communist regime in China. And it is a police state. Some call it a mafia state spy state, whatever you want to call it, whatever term you prefer, in Russia. Under the thumbs, under the boots of Vladimir Putin. Their intentions have not changed. Now, I suppose it's possible that Kim Jong-un has had a change of thinking that perchance he's concerned about someone taking him down, and so he's looking after himself and willing to cut some kind of a deal. North Korea is still a pawn, a puppet state, a satellite state for communist China and for former communist Russia and all of those poor nations that we allowed. When I say poor, I don't mean financially poor. Poor nations that we in the West allowed Stalin to enslave. And that was courtesy of Franklin Delano Roosevelt and... His successor, Harry Truman. Is communism, are these communist regimes the greatest threat on the face of the earth to Western nations, to the United States of America and Western nations? There are many who think they're no threat at all who think, okay, some Islamist terrorists are the greatest threat. Not to downplay the danger posed by Islamist, Islamo-fascist regimes and their terrorist organizations and their terrorist cells here in the United States of America and other Western nations, notably the British Commonwealth and Canada, in the UK and so forth, and the continent, Europe. Not to downplay that for a moment. But in terms of sheer firepower, weaponry, the most advanced weaponry on the face of the earth, courtesy of stealing all, all, all of our most sophisticated 
military technology even before it goes into production. In terms of those things and their spy network and their militaries, these communist regimes and the Russian Federation pose an ever so much greater threat. But is that the greatest threat? Is that really going to be the ultimate threat? Or instead, is it going to be the last rendition of, the last coming of, the last Reich of the Roman Empire, which succeeded the Grecian Empire, which succeeded the Macedonian Empire, which actually took over the Babylonian Empire, which had been taken over by the Medes and the Persians. Will it be that? I think it'll be that. I absolutely positively believe it will be that, and that it will be flying the flag of the U.N., But the United States of America, while it was absolutely imperative that Stormtrooper Hillary not become president, while that was absolutely imperative, critically important, that she not be able, not be permitted, not be allowed to continue the devastation that was wrought by Barack Hussein Obama and his regime and that had been accomplished to such an extent under Bill Clinton and Hillary Rodham Clinton and company, and before them, by Jimmy Carter, James Earl Carter. But that was imperative. But instead, our only choice is a man who leaves a bit to be desired. You know, I was, ah, before I continue with that, let me just say, I'm Brad Thomas. And this is after all is said and done. And whatever is right about this program is thanks to God and Jesus Christ. Whatever is wrong about this program, lacking, is due to me. But going back to when Donald Trump was campaigning for the Republican nomination for president. Do you remember how he regaled and denigrated his opponents? Do you remember how incredibly insulting he was? Not just demeaning, horribly insulting. Do you remember that? Do you remember... His actions, his activities as head over various major beauty contests that he acquired. 
I do. Not vividly, but I do. I don't have the names and the dates for you, but I do recall his grievous, outrageous, gross mistreatment, dishonor and gross mistreatment of multiple contestants, young women, for voicing, for courageously voicing their opposition to the sodomite agenda. I do remember that. And I couldn't imagine how these conservatives and Christians could be so exceedingly enthusiastic about Donald Trump, given those kinds of insights into the man's soul. His track record was deplorable. But they imagined, oh, this is an incredibly successful businessman. Debatedly so, but incredibly successful, with loads of properties in his portfolios, loads of picture-perfect properties. A man who has succeeded, you know, with the Midas touch with everything that he has ever touched, right? And yet, if you look closer, perhaps you see kind of a wake of destruction behind him. A man who ventured into the world of gambling casinos and went in big. You know, go big or go home. He went in big. And then he pulled out. (laughs) Then he went home. And he left others holding the bag. But to imagine that he was some worthy, individual, Christian man, even a conservative, let alone, okay, maybe not Christian, but conservative, was absolute nonsense. People were in gross denial. They were desperate for something, some alternative to Hillary, some alternative that would win. And this happens every single election cycle. It is an incredibly sickening repetition. And that is people getting behind ungodly, unrighteous, unworthy people because they think they can win. Whereas they would be throwing away their votes on some others who may not be perfect but who at least are better. It happens every election cycle. You can absolutely set your watch by it. Well, what do we have to look forward to? I mean, Donald Trump, it's not just that the man is so lacking in so many ways, but he has been so foolish about so much. I mentioned about his denigration, his dishonor, and reviling of opposing candidates, as if that was the way to defeat them. How about how he has treated 
former U.S. Senator Jeff Sessions. Jeff Sessions, an earlier early adopter, right? That's the term that's used, an early adopter. He got on board the great Trump bandwagon very early on because he believed that Trump could win and that others could not. So he got on board because he thought that some good would come of it, would come of a Trump presidency. But the incredibly fickle Donald Trump, how do you stay on the man's good side? Certainly not by being godly and righteous and honest and loyal first and foremost to God. That doesn't work. As it has never worked for any of these presidents except for Ronald Reagan, who had so many on his team who were, in fact, against him, including his VP, headed up by his VP, but Alabama. You know, there are many, many, many people across this nation, many Democrats, especially, (laughs) but who consider themselves to be so intelligent, so advanced, so superior. I know this from personal contact, personal relationship with people of this ilk. They consider themselves to be so superior, so intellectual, so educated. And they look down their noses at certain geographical areas of the United States of America as being dumb, stupid, backwards, hillbilly, this, that, and the other thing. Name any place in the South, and it's on their list. Places up towards going north in the middle of America, like Oklahoma, okay? Missouri, Kentucky, West Virginia, and so on and so forth. And these people are so arrogant and conceited, and they look down on these places, they don't realize that there are many of their own kind in these places. <laughs> but they paint with a very broad brush, and they just, you know, Think of all of them as being a bunch of hicks, hayseeds. Well, it just so happens that as far as I'm concerned, the state of Alabama has, for lo these many decades, had the best, the most outstanding U.S. senators of any state in the nation. Now, that is a dubious title because there are so many states that have monstrously bad Teams of U.S. Senators. Oh, you know, states like California, Washington, New York, Illinois. And the list just goes on and on and on and on. But Richard Shelby and Jeff Sessions, day in, day out, year in, year out, shown above the overwhelming majority, as far as I'm concerned, here in this nation. Now, Kamala Harris, U.S. Senator now, the the new U.S. Senator, the junior U.S. Senator from California, 
who took over the vacant seat vacated by Barbara Boxer, who was so outstanding. Kamala Harris has spoken exceedingly disparagingly, worse than that, concerning Jeff Sessions, and that he has no credibility. (laughs) Well, there is one of them that has no credibility. It's not Jeff. But Jeff got on board and did a whale of a job of helping Donald Trump become the candidate. And he has continued to do an amazing job of rooting out so much that's so monstrously wrong with the Justice Department and so forth and trying to bring law and order back to this nation. And what has he received for that from our commander-in-chief? Well, he recused himself with regard to the, call it what you will, investigation into Russian meddling in the 2016 presidential election. He recused himself. And he incurred undying wrath from Donald Trump for that. Trump has never forgiven him. I'm sure never will. And in public and private, Openly and behind closed doors, Trump has referred to Jeff Sessions in the most demeaning, outrageous ways, calling him an idiot and disgraceful and so forth. Do you remember Richard Milhouse Nixon? Do you remember his press secretary, Ronald Ziegler? Do you remember Ronald Ziegler? being faithful and loyal to Richard Nixon, even though Richard Nixon publicly gave him the boot, literally. Kicked him in the seat. Unbelievable. Richard Nixon did that. Clinked glasses with Mao Zedong. In essence, you know, smoked the peace pipe that Mao Zedong kicked his press secretary, Ronald Ziegler, who had an impossibly difficult job, as does Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Great to work for somebody like that, huh? But of course, Donald Trump, who again showed such dishonor to these girls, these contestants, and what have you, in these beauty contests, who courageously took a stand against the sodomite agenda. Dear old Donald Trump, whom does he bring on his team? Omarosa. 
Do you remember Omarosa? On The Apprentice? Do you? How on earth could he have taken her into his inner circle? How could he have taken her under his wing? How is that possible? (laughs) It's like Richard Nixon taking Mao Zedong into his inner circle and kicking Ronald Ziegler. The United States of America is up against it, and it's courtesy of so many less than savory people. Let me digress for a moment. Perhaps you've seen this, perhaps you haven't. But Team Obama has joined ranks with Netflix. Investor darling Netflix. Barack Hussein Obama, Michelle Obama, they're going to be having television programs, TV movies, if you will, episodes created, broadcast to promote, unmistakably to promote Michelle for Prez. It goes way beyond a presidential bio, doesn't it? Huh? This is much more advanced. This is right up with the times. In addition to that, Susan Rice is now on with Netflix, on the board of directors, directly involved with Netflix. Something to look forward to. Have you seen the ads for California, California Board of Tourism, Visit California? And they show all of these beautiful places. I'm from California. And in my view, California is the most blessed Physically, geographically, topog- topographically, <laughs> if, if you leave out the, all of the faults, San Andreas and others, I think it is the most blessed. But it is a, a nation of its own, if you will. Again, it's supposed to be in the number seven economy in the world that is destroyed courtesy of unrighteous, ungodly, vile government. And they show all the beauty, the splendor, but they don't show what all is wrong with California. And it is huge as far as what is wrong with California. And time doesn't allow for me to share much, but I'll just share a few things. Okay, according to the Los Angeles Times, 40% of all workers in Los Angeles County are working for cash and not paying taxes. Why is that? Well, it's because they are illegal immigrants, you know, undocumented. Okay, They don't, don't have a green card even, right? They're illegal. 40%. 95% of warrants for murder in Los Angeles, are for illegal aliens. 95%. 75% of people on the most wanted list in Los Angeles are illegal aliens. Over two-thirds of all births in Los Angeles County are to illegal alien Mexicans who are on Medi-Cal, a state program, whose births are paid for by California taxpayers, which, again, they are not taxpayers. 
Approximately 35% of all inmates in California detention centers are Mexican nationals here in the U.S. of A. illegally. Over 300,000 illegal aliens in Los Angeles County are living in garages. Half of all gang members in Los Angeles, according to the FBI, are undoubtedly illegal aliens from (laughs) down south of the United States. 60% of occupants of HUD properties are illegal. This is federally administered program. 60% illegal. And the list goes on. It's a prescription for destruction for the nation. It's a template. It's a blueprint. And it's courtesy of Nancy Pelosi, Kamala Harris, the aforementioned Barbara Boxer, and so forth. I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now if we choose to. Thank you. Thank you.